Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Y'all ready to get into this word? I'm ready to preach it. You, you may have noticed the seasoned saints in this room. You're like, wait, 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 something's wrong. They did not receive the tithe and offering yet. Some of y'all ain't even bothered by that. You're like, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I'm holding off on it. Why? Because we're in this series called Essentials. Everybody say Essentials. And we're talking about our core values at Cool Church. And we, 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 it's, it's a seven-week series. This is week number three. And I believe that your values are developed by default or by design. What am I trying to say? You all have values, but you can choose to let your values just happen or you can be intentional about the values that you are creating because I want to live life through the lens or of my values. I want to make decisions through the lens of my values. You should have core values in your own life. You should have core values in your family. There's a chalkboard in my kitchen with all the Wilson core values, but we have separate core values right here in the church and I'm going to tell them to you. You might see them on the screen so you can say them with me on the count of three. Here we go. Love family, generosity, honor, excellence, service, and creativity and all of God's people said. So uh, Pastor Joanne two weeks ago did a dynamic job preaching to us about love. Was anybody here for that love message? Can we give it up for Pastor Joe one time? And last week I talked about family. How many of you happy to be a part of the family of God? Amen. And this week, I'm going to talk about generosity. So, I know many of you have, if you've come prepared to be generous and give, hold it till the end of the message. Why? Because I don't talk like this often, but, you know, I would rather take a moment to tell you why we give. I don't want you to just give to something and you don't know why we do it. Amen? I want to give you a good understanding of the why here and online. So just hold on. Some of you have given online. I give online on Fridays before I even get to church because I just want to make sure that I get it in. And the church said, so, so, but if you've done that, that's cool. But if, if you brought it, hold on to it. I'll have the whole stand up at the end of service and they'll pass out offering envelopes for those that need it and all that stuff. But just hold on and let's understand the why first. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. And if you don't have your Bible, it should come up on the screen right behind me. It'll come up online for you as well. And all the notes that I'm preaching from will be in the Cool Church app. Any app users out there, make some noise. Any people use the app on their Apple, Apple device, make some noise. Any Android users? Oh, we'll pray for you, especially the one that said, let's go. Oh, that's Cy in the back. Oh, Cy, I thought you were better. I thought you were better than that, brother. I love you. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. Oh, <laughs> who said we can't have fun in church? Here we go. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us, 
your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. For this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. That's a good place to say. If you're taking notes on this third part of essentials, I've entitled it this. This is just one of our cool core values. You ready for it? Here we go. Generosity is a blessing. Generosity is a blessing. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that will be here and watching online today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own. Let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most, no matter where they are in this world. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I just thank you right now, knowing that when your word goes forth, it never returns void. So God, I pray that you will bless the ears of all those that hear. And I pray before all this is said and done, somebody comes home to you. God, we love you. We praise you. Help us to be generous in all things. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody set? Everybody set? Give God one more shout of praise. Come on. It's great. Could y'all give it up for the band one time? I think they're doing a great job. So today, I want to talk about generosity. And Jesus spoke a lot about generosity, and he spoke a lot about money. So just to address the elephant in the room ahead of time, I know there's somebody, maybe you came in here for the first time, maybe you have doubts, maybe you're a little skeptical. Doesn't matter, man. You belong long before you believe. It is what it is. We love you no matter what background, color, culture, or creed you come from. We love you. But maybe you've come in, and maybe you invited a friend and was like, man, hey, you're going to love this church, man. They be talking about the Bible. It be all good. And it's like the first day you come, we talking about money. I don't, I don't do this often, but I'm not ashamed or I'm not scared to talk about money because Jesus talked about money more than anybody. Do you know that out of the 38 recorded parables that Jesus had across the Gospels, 16 of them were about resources and money and how to steward them well? Jesus never shied away from it. Why? Because he realized this thing about money, that money is not a resource issue, it's a heart issue. And he's like, you know what? You either going to serve me or you're going to serve your stuff. So I need to make a clear distinction to help you understand that there is power behind your generosity. The other elephant in the room that I want to address is of the tithe. I think people talk about tithe a lot in church, and people, if you're not careful, they mistake tithe for generosity. You know tithing has nothing to do with being generous and everything to do with being obedient. Like tithing is not generosity. That's why we talk about tithe and offerings, tithe. Where does it come from? The first time tithe is ever mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. If you don't believe me, go look for it for yourself. Very first time it's mentioned, Abram, this is before his name changed to Abraham, Abram is trying to uh, go and rescue his young nephew Lot and his family. And Um, Many different people help Abram along the way, but one is a king and priest, and his name is Melchizedek. The only other king and priest that we see in the Bible other than Melchizedek is Jesus Christ. How many of y'all are thankful that he is the great king and priest that we serve? Amen? 
Melchizedek is actually a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. The first king and priest points us to our king and priest, which is Jesus. Whole nother message. Don't even have time for it today. But Abram, he's so thankful that God helps him rescue his nephew that he says, I'm going to give an offering. But he doesn't just give any offering. He says, I'm going to give the first tenth of every single thing that I own. Everything. Cattle, a goat, whatever I have, food, money. I'm going to give the first tenth of everything. Why? Because I want to show God that I am thankful. I want to show him that I'm thankful for his grace on me. I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful for his favor. I'm thankful that he helped me rescue somebody that I love. And I'm going to, I'm going to give this offering a first tenth of everything that I have to show my gratitude and my thanksgiving to God. If you believe that, say amen. The tithe then is, is, is carried on all throughout the Old and we see it in the New Testament in different places. But by the time we get to the end of the Old Testament, we run into this book called Malachi. And if you've been in church long enough, you've heard the verse Malachi 3.10 that says, bring the whole tithe, the first tenth, to the storehouse. And the Bible says, I love this because God's so confident in you giving him this tithe. He says, test me in this. He says, test me. Why? He says, if you test me in this, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out blessing on you. How many of y'all need God to open up a heavenly window and pour some stuff out on you? I need that every day. So he says, bring it to the storehouse. You know what the storehouse is, right? You're sitting in it. Wherever you call uh, your, your church home, wherever that is, whatever uh, a place is building kingdom, that is the storehouse. God says, bring your tithe there. Don't worry about what the pastor doing with it. Trust me, I'm in charge of the tithe. I saying, God, like, this, the problem why, why, why people don't bring tithe is because they look more on people instead of looking on God. I don't like what's that. No, 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 no. Listen, if they, I'm going to tell you this right now. If people ain't doing the right thing with the tithe, trust me, you ain't got to worry about them because God will deal with them. Trust me when I tell you that. And just know this, me and Pastor Joanne, I am too terrified of God to be playing with people's resource. And the church said, okay, so just, just, just saying that. So he says, test me in this, bring the first 10. But once again, this is a directive. Give me the first 10. God, does let me just, let me see. There's smart people in this room. Does God need your money? He needs your heart though. He needs your heart. So the because you cannot physically take your heart out of your chest and give it to God, he says, give me the first 10. Because this is the test to see if your money and your heart are in alignment with me. Just give me the give me the first thing. I don't need it, but I'm requiring you to do it. So, like I said, when we talk about tithe, this has nothing to do with generosity. Technically, tithing is the training wheels for generosity. It's, it's just God, God's like, yo, let me crack the ice with you. I want you to give a lot. Actually, I don't even want you to give a lot. I want you to give it all. But to break you in, I'm gonna say, just I'm going to test you with the first 10. He says, give me the first 10. You're going to live better on the 90% than the 100% if you give me the first 10. And people ask me all the time, they're like, yo, pastor, so, you know, I'm just trying to make sure I get it right. <laughs> do, I, do I give on, on the net or the gross? <laughs> I, 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 I laugh. Listen, 
Your conviction is your conviction. Let me tell you my conviction. I give on the gross. I'm, and I'm going to tell, listen. Why? Because I have allotted a certain amount of time in my life for a certain amount of money. That is an entire total. Then the government says, out of that entire total, I'm going to tax you. And I'm going to take money. So, if I tithe on the net, I'm not tithing on the whole. I'm tithing on what is left after the government does what they have to do. According to the Bible, though, it says God is looking for the first tenth. So I don't tie on the net because I don't believe in giving God sloppy seconds. I believe in giving them the first. Y'all, that is my that is my conviction. And let me tell you something. I stopped tithing 10% a long time ago because here's the reality. When you understand generosity, 10% ain't nothing to you. And I will be the first person to stand here to say I have never gone broke being generous. My family has a practice. And I'm not saying this to brag, but 10%, I'm like, that's a good start. You know, every year I challenge myself to give more than last year. I was like, 10, 10, that's what God wants. But man, let me see what else I could do. Let me see what else I can throw on it. Why? Because I'm trying to show God exactly where the alignment of my heart is. So you can tile on the net. If that's your conviction, do that. I'm just telling you what I do. And I'm just telling you that as long as I've done it, I've never had to go begging for bread. As long as I've done it, I've always had a roof over my head. As long as I've done it, I've always had more than I've needed to do what God has called me to do. If you believe that, say amen. Okay, so you could choose what you want to do. As for me and my house, we will give the tithe. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to say that because tithing is not generosity. Now, now you always hear people say, because I got to say this for, for like non-church folk. There's tithe and offering. How is offering different? When you give offering, offering is over and above the 10%. You see, that's where the, that's where the miracle starts to happen. That's where the crazy stuff has, starts to happen. Because the Bible says that there is a 30, 60, 100-fold return. But see, some people don't believe in it because they want to see a 30, 60, 100-fold uh, return with, with just money. That's not how that works. Let me tell you something. I need a 30, 60, 100 full return in my health. I need a 30, 60, 100 full return in my relationships. I need a 30, 60, 100 full return in my marriage. I need a 30, 60, 100 full return in all my business ventures. I need a 30, 60, 100 full return with my kids. I need a 30, 60, 100 full return in every opportunity that God has to do with me because how many of you know that money does not define wealth. I'm a wealthy man because I have 30, 60, 100 full return in all my relationships. So I give over and above because man, I want great relationships in life because some of you are looking for money when you actually just need the right relationship. So tithe is an honor issue and offering 
That's where we start to talk about a generosity issue. And when you tithe, all you're doing is returning what God requires. When you give an offering, you're giving over and above the requirements. So today, I want to talk about generosity, but I want to cut right to the heart of the issue. What does the Bible say? You've already heard me quote it, Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Well, your treasure is your heart will be also. Why? Because your treasure is the mirror of our heart before God. So where your money goes, it tells me a lot about what you're actually devoted to. You have to hear that because some of us, our treasure does not go to God first. It goes to the gods of shopping. It goes to the Amazon God. It goes to the Timu God. Some of y'all, it goes to the Sheen God. It is what it is. I love it, because you ain't even proud of your God because to your spouse, you hiding all your purchases that the God gave you. That's a whole other message. And then you're going to come out today when your husband say, girl, you just get them shoes? You're like, no, I had these for months, lying. You're a liar and the truth ain't in you. You sacrifice that. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. But some of us ain't into shopping, God. Maybe, maybe you've submitted your heart to the coffee God. Some of y'all got so mad. You go, I can't believe he talked about my, my cold brew. Like, like coffee, I don't drink coffee, so I don't get it, but people have a thing about coffee. Like, and y'all drink coffee, I don't care, but why would I spend five, six, seven, eight dollars on a cup when I could spend 50 cent? And you mad and you mad because you ain't got no money. You ain't have to go to the Starbucks God every day. You ain't have to go to the Dunkin' Donuts God every day. You could have got that Win Dixie and brewed it at, at your house for yourself and saved a bunch of money. I'm just, I'm just trying to be practical with people. One of my mentors, Pastor Alan Griffin, told me a long time ago, he said, he said, Terrence, you have money for everything that you want in life. And the reason people act like they don't got money is because they've made choices about where they want to spend their money and they don't even realize it. If you spend $8 a cup every day, as opposed to 50 or 25 cents, imagine how much money you could have saved if you got the cheaper cup. You chose Starbucks instead of your car. You chose whatever you chose as opposed to the other thing that was important. I know people, they don't got a house, but they got a $1,000 car note. You made that choice. The Corolla worked just like the Cadillac. It gets you from A to B, but you made a ch choice. You chose to have cable in every streaming service on the planet because of the TV gods. The power gods, the 50 cent gods. Oh, I love. Oh, oh, oh. How he knew I watched that? The Hulu gods. Huh. <laughs> Generosity is a heart issue. And the truth of the matter is, if your treasure is a mirror that reveals where your heart is to God, where your money goes will always tell what you are devoted to. But generosity is a heart issue, and it's the only way that we can guard our hearts against greed, y'all. I don't want to be a greedy person. Generosity helps me guard my heart 
against greed. And here's what the value of generosity means at Cool Church. I, I just want you to hear this. Generosity, when we say it, we mean this. It's a blessing to give. The blessing is in the act, not only in what is received. So what I'm saying is, I'm not just blessed when I receive something, I'm ble actually blessed when I give something, right? We give our time, our talent, and our treasure, and the church said, here's the determinant discipline, or here's the, here's, here's the practical way to walk this out. Every day, we thank God for what he has blessed us with by being good stewards of the blessing. One, we got to steward what God gives us, amen? We budget our finances and balance our time well. Budget for some people in this room is like a dirty word. We pay our debts on time. Today, the Holy Spirit wanted me to give somebody a wake-up call that hangs up on every creditor that calls them. They're calling you because you are delinquent as it pertains to your debt. How are you ever going to be the head and not the tail if you are hiding from people that are actually trying to help you? Collections may be the only way to correct your debt. But if you keep running from it, go ahead, keep running from it. There's things that you're going to want to buy that cash ain't just going to get you like that. You got to actually have some credit. Don't run from debt. I ain't expect an amen on that. <laughs> when we give, we do it with a cheerful heart. So how we do it, be happy about it. I love it. And when, I love this. We use our time, our talents uh, to serve others inside and outside of God's house. Man, you could be generous anywhere, not just here. And I love this. We use our treasure to advance the kingdom of God on earth by being obedient to the 10% tithe and generous with our over and above offerings. Amen? So here's the opposite, because to know what you like, you also got to know what you don't want, right? So here's the opposite of being generous. We are not greedy or stingy. That's a good place to say amen. We understand that we are not the source of our blessings. So that when we talk about generosity, that's what we're talking about. And here's the truth. It's hard to be greedy when you're being generous. It's hard to be greedy when you're being generous. So, so I personally get excited about being generous because I'm not waiting for a blessing after I give. For me, giving is the blessing. Some of us don't see the blessing in generosity because you gave and then you're waiting. Here you go. I'm like, here you go. I'm so excited you got it. I'm so excited. I was like, God, when can I do it again? Give me some more so I can get some more. God blesses you when he knows that he can get it to you and he can get it through you. Amen? So here's three things to remember um, uh, uh, to truly understand the blessing of generosity. Amen? So here's the first one. Watch this. Generosity is a blessing when you realize it all belongs to God and he is generous. If you don't get this point, anything else I preach after this is useless. Generosity is a blessing when you realize it all belongs to God and he is generous. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all God's. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's all God's. Look back at the first neighbor and say, it's not mine. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's not yours. Then look at whoever you feel like and say, it's all God's. It's all God's. If you believe that, say amen. It's all God's. So before I dig back into 2 Corinthians 9, I got to give you context. I hate giving scripture without context, right? So 
We've been in 2 Corinthians actually like since the beginning of the year and we've been teaching different things. The Apostle Paul writes this. There's three things that you need to know about 2 Corinthians, okay? Uh, uh, Paul, he writes uh, this book of 2 uh, uh, Corinthians because he helps found this church after his second missionary journey. He takes three missionary journeys that the Bible tells us about. Um, and the church in Corinth, man, they were an affluent church. They were amazing, but they had some issues. Paul founds this church. He gets it started. He's the apostle Paul, so he starts the church, sets up governance, sets up people there to make sure that they are a blessing to the church and keep teaching the people. But Paul has to write this, this letter in 2 Corinthians because he wants to go back there, but he, he's like, you know, I can't come back. And I'm writing this with like tears. I'm writing this because I love you. He's like, the last time I was there, it was a bunch of fools that, that, that came up and, and they were trying to deceive you. And they came at me, calling me a false prophet and stuff. He's like, yo, I want to come and I want to share love. I don't want to come and deal with the nonsense that's happening in this church. How many of you know nonsense happening in church didn't just start in 2024? It's been happening since the beginning of time. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to write this letter because last time I came, there were some humans there that was doing a little bit too much, and I ain't got no time for that. So the first part of 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to explain why he doesn't come, and he's writing to encourage the majority of the people that are doing well there. Because most of the church was doing well. I, here's, what, here's what I hate that, that I've seen in 2022, 23, 24, 25, and so on. People judge the whole church off of the actions of a few. And Paul was like, you know what? I'm not going to crush everybody in the Corinthian church because it's only a few of y'all cutting up. Can we begin to encourage each other more than we criticize one another? So Paul encourages the faithful majority. Then in chapters 8 and 9, he pauses, does something different. I'm going to come back to that. And in chapters uh, 10 through 12, Paul has one of the most fierce defenses of his apostleship of any other book of the Bible. And he, he's like, he's defending himself against these cowards, these false prophets that are liars and misleading people. Now, backwards to chapters 8 and 9. I'm going to tell you what the chapters 8 and 9 are. You can go back and read it for yourself if you don't believe me. Paul literally pauses in the middle of his encouragement and his defense to collect an offering. That's chapters 8 and 9. He's collecting an offering. And what he's saying is, he's comparing the church of Corinth to the church of Macedonia. Why? He was like, man, did you know that the generosity of the Corinthian church inspired the Macedonian church? Now, the Macedonian church was smaller. They didn't have as much influence as the Corinthian church. None of that stuff. But them people, they gave, they gave proportionately to what they had. How many of you know it's not how much you have, it's about the heart in which you give it? That's what you're saying about the man. He's like, man, they outgave everybody. Not because they gave more, but once again, in context of what they had, they were outgiving everybody. And Paul's trying to tell the Corinthian church, y'all are the ones that inspired them to do that. Now, you got to finish the work that you started. Now you got to get, you got to keep on giving to keep on inspiring other people around you. And he was also saying, hey, y'all, don't embarrass me because next time I do come through, I might have some people from the church of Macedonia with me. Please make my bragging be for like a real reason. I'm bragging on y'all. But here's what he was also doing. It's like, he was also creating like a healthy competition. I, ain't, I listen, I love a little bit of competition. Any competitive people out there? He was saying, yo, like, yo, the Macedonian church giving, he was like, yo, Corinthians, y'all better step it up. You better step it up. So, he's trying to raise this offering. Why? For himself? No. He's trying to raise an offering for the Christians that are being persecuted in Jerusalem. I mean, they're being killed, they're being tormented. I, I, I mean, once again, 
all these people were followers of the way. Before we were Christians, we were followers of the way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father except through him, right? So they're being persecuted, and Paul's like, yo, we got to... We got to take up an offering for our brothers and sisters because they need help. They need resources. They being persecuted left and right. I told you last week, we're family. Aren't we called to carry each other's burdens? So Paul was saying, hey, we got to send some help. We got to send some resources. If one of us is hurting, all of us are hurting. So he stops to collect this offering. And he also says, well, as, he, as, he's, as he's telling them this, he gives some of the most extensive teaching on generosity. I'm telling you, of all of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, some of the most extensive teaching on generosity that you're going to get. Because we give to help our brothers and sisters, but I love it because it even tells us how to do it. It says we should be eager about it. This is a place where we get God loves a cheerful giver from. It comes from 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9. So, now with that context... Told them you got to give. Don't be out giving by the Macedonian church. Your brothers and sisters need help. And I need you to be cheerful about it. Now, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Stop. Can we go back to the beginning of that? Now, he who supplies seed to the sower. Who is he? God. God, God is the one that supplies seeds to the sower. Remember the first principle. Generosity is a blessing when you realize it all belongs to God and he is generous. Who does it belong to? So God is he who supplies seed to the sower. So what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand that true generosity flows out of an understanding that God owns everything. Y'all didn't get it in my NIV, so now I have to use the other NIV, the Negro International Version, and I have to bring out the Carol City in me. God on everything. God stand on business, and he on everything. Who owns it? What does he own? Everything. Oh, praise God, y'all got that translation. I was making sure... I got the right translation there. And the principle is this. All we have belongs to God. And the church said, but here's the thing. He has temporarily entrusted all that he owns to us to oversee according to his wishes. You have to catch that. We are managers over God's household business. We are managers, y'all. We are not owners. We are managers. You know, I'm a parent, and I love being a dad, and I'm a homeowner, and I love being a homeowner, but you know one of the things that makes me laugh the loudest in my home is when my child says, I'm gonna go to my room. <laughs> to which I respond, ha! What room? You do not have a room. I have a house. And I allow you to breathe the air in that room for a time as to when 
you will leave my house and you will have your own place where you can consume all the air that you would like. It trust me, I be watching some of these movies and these shows and people are lighter persuasion than mine. I ain't, listen, man, I love everybody, but they be saying stuff like, get out of my room, mom. <laughs> what? I wish my child would. Get out of my... The triple backflip and backslap that will follow. Hope it ain't nobody from DC ever here. Get out of my room, mom. Who room? Who? You see how the octave? Who? Get out of my my my. You? Do you pay the mortgage here? Do you pay FP and L? Do you pay the water bill? I pay the water bill. The city I pay it. Your your room? This is just a space. I have allowed you to put K-pop posters on the wall. This, this is just a space where I have allowed you to hide food under your bed. This is, is just a space where I've allowed you to stuff every nook and cranny with the clothes that you did not want to wash. My room? No, 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 no. This is my room. And if you keep cutting up, I will take my door off of my room and the church said I thought I was the only parent like that y'all made me feel so much better but I realized it's not kids adults act the same way they act the same way God the father blesses us with all types of things and we got the nerve to think that they belong to us But see, when you realize it all belongs to God, you start to think differently. When you realize, all, somebody say all. 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 You know what all is in the Greek? All. All possessions are a gift from God that you temporarily take care of, right? And when you know that they are a gift from God and you know you're only temporarily taking care of it, don't you act differently? See, everything in our lives is looked upon as a gift from God that we are called to steward. So that car that you drive that constantly backfires and sounds like a drive-by when you are coming to church is a gift generously given to you by God. Somebody said, what car? The place that you prayed to God for that now you are complaining about is too small is a gift generously given to you by God. The job that you beg God, God, please let me get this job. The one that you beg God for, but now you want to quit is a gift generously given to you by God. The spouse that you can no longer stand is a gift generously given to you. Some of you looked at your spouse this morning you said, mm. 
when you should have said, mm-mm, good. I look at that old chocolate tenderoni sitting on that front row every morning with morning breath tracks out the hair, and I say, mm-mm, mm-mm. Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. Those cheering. Because see, they ain't, they ain't your child when they cutting up. Them cheering. That drive you crazy. Or a gift. Generously given to you by God. And you pray that he takes them back by 18. Them parents. Somebody said, oi, oi, oi. Wow. Them parents. That's always calling you to fix things for them. Calling you to come fix the VCR. Mom, dad, no one has a VCR anymore. They are a gift. Generously given to you. You mad they calling you, but you're going to be real mad when they stop calling. Because when you know it doesn't belong to you, you take better care of it. Anybody in this room ever borrowed somebody's car? Yeah, they was acting ashamed at 9 o'clock. I'm like, bro, I'd borrow people's car before it is what it is. If I borrow, listen, hey, hey. I'm not going to ask you to borrow your car. I got a car. I'm just saying. If I did, you'd be really excited if I borrowed your car. Because if I borrow your car, oh my goodness. I'm going to make sure. If you gave me the car with a quarter tank of gas, I'm going to give it back to you with a full tank. I will. If you gave me the car dirty, I'm going to have your car detailed before I give it back to you. So you're like, for real? Why? Because my parents taught me that if you ever have to use anything that anybody ever gives you, give it back to them in a better condition than they gave it to you. Maybe y'all had parents like me and the church said, why? One I know, never get too comfortable with somebody else's stuff. You got to leave it in a better condition than it was given to you. Why? Because I want people to trust me. I don't know about you. I want them to be like, please take my car again. I know when I give Terrence something, I'm going to get it back better than I, I trust him with the things that he has been given. Why? Because we need to be better stewards. So, if you want a better car, ask yourself, can God trust you with the one that he already gave you? It backfires, but like, when the last time you had an oil change? It may got like Cheetos and stuff inside, but like, you in that car, why you left the Cheetos? Like a little vacuum ain't gonna hurt anybody. It always get like, it frustrates me when like the inside of people's cars are messy. I'm like, so for that 20 minute drive from home to work, what happened? Somebody said, I got kids, I got y'all. She used to leave Cheetos. I did not leave the Cheetos when we got out the car. Clean your, like, listen, don't invite me in your car if you got a dirty car. Cause I, I just, I'm, just, I'm just like, 
Listen, I know it rains. And some of you, oh, Florida people do this all the time. It's raining. That's why I ain't wash it. You ain't washed that car in 10 years. It ain't been raining every day. Some of you are like, ooh, the conviction this morning. Ooh. You want a bigger or better home? Can God trust you with the one that he gave you? Is the thing falling apart? Like, when the last time you invested in it? You know, there's this thing called sweat equity. I need money to invest in my house. No, you just need time. You need time. Like, you better get on HGTV and start DIYing something. Don't just let everything fall apart. You can add, you can add value to your own home. My house is worth three times what I paid for it. Why? Because I put value, I put some sweat equity into my home. And the church said, you want a better job? Can God trust you with the one he gave you? When the last time you showed up? On time. God, I need a new position. You ain't been in time in six months. They, they just don't see my potential. They won't because you're not there. You want a better marriage? Some of y'all don't want a better marriage. You want a different marriage. Can God trust you to honor the spouse that he gave you? When last time you went on a date night? When last time you took that girl? You started out writing poetry. Now you don't even write the right, the right text to the woman. You started out with all these ideas. Now your, own, your only idea is good as to go to the Cheesecake Factory. I love Cheesecake. I just, I just said it because I know it's a joke going on. I love Cheesecake. Baby, we love Cheesecake, don't we? She like, don't be, don't be asking somebody to take you to Queen uh, restaurant and you, you ain't even been to Red Lobster yet. Like, sit down. Like, I, okay, let me stop. Let me, let me stop. You be asking to get flued out. You never flew anywhere before. Okay. Let me get back on this message. You want your kids to be better. And God trusts you to spend time with the kids that he gave you. I want better kids. You don't spend time with them. You don't know them. They don't know you. All they know is that you work. There's no relationship there. And you wonder why they're cutting up. Maybe they just want attention. You want your parents to be blessed? Can God trust you to honor the parents that he gave you? You know, this, I love this because there's a beautiful blessing attached to this that when you honor your mother and your father, it actually benefits you. Your days will be longer on this earth. And God trusts you to honor who he gave you because the deeper issue is trust and it's all a relational issue, family. It requires that the steward be found trustworthy. God is just looking to put something in your hands, but he has to first know that he can trust you with what you already have. God has entrusted us everything we have for a reason so that we can partner with him to accomplish his purpose so that we can demonstrate where our true priorities lie because when you know it all comes from God you treat it that way and he can trust you with more amen but secondly generosity is a blessing when you realize you've been blessed to bless others I just wanted to be blessed to be blessed no You've been blessed to bless others. 2 Corinthians 9.11 is clear and it says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. It said you will be enriched in every way to be what? 
generous on every occasion. God blesses us because he's a good God. He loves us and he wants us to prosper. But there's a reason that he blesses us with abundance, which is more than we need. God has an agenda. He's only blessing you because he wants you to bless others. God wants to know, can I get it to them? Because if I can get it to them, can I get it through them or will they be a bottleneck for the blessing? God wants to know if he can get things through you. When we're generous, God often gives us more so we can give more. Y'all ever like really wanted something to eat? Like you wanted something to eat so bad you knew exactly what you wanted to eat? Oh man, some of y'all like, you heard me stop talking so I can go get what I want to eat. Sometimes, man, I just be craving certain things. I'm a simple guy. Like, I like Subway. Any Subway eaters out there, you're like. And them the same people that want to get flued out. Same people. Same people. Problem is, y'all don't appreciate nothing. It's a sandwich. <sighs> took me to Subway. You're lucky he took you there. You can't even make a sandwich. You mad at a Subway. So, okay. Some of you will never come back. Okay, all right. I like Subway, and I'm not ashamed. Um, so, this one time I went to Subway, and I went there, and I knew exactly what I wanted. I, 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 man, I wanted a, a, a toasted sub on honey oat bread with grilled chicken with pepper jack cheese with bacon with a little guacamole spread across that thing with, with, ooh, with some spinach and some tomatoes and some pickles and a little bit of olives and just a dash, just a splash of that little chipotle sauce. Oh my goodness. Some of that, ooh, that sounds good. I might start going to Subway. No, you can't have it now because you ain't like it when I said it. So... I went in, I made my order, man. I was ready, I was salivating, it was lunchtime. Got my order, got my sandwich, I was ready to go, y'all. I got outside with my sandwich. And there was a gentleman out there and he was disenfranchised. So, you know, he was one of the homies, you know. I don't like to say homeless, he was one of the homies. And uh, I, knew I, I knew I was messed up because we locked eyes, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know when you lock eyes, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. You know what I'm talking about? So, when my guy, my guy looks at me, and he's like, what, what, hey, bro, what, what kind of sandwich is that right there, yo? I'm like, man, you know, it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a chicken with some bacon, some avocado, a little pepper jack cheese toasted on honey with a little, you know, a little tomato, a little, a little lettuce, a little olives, and just a splash, just a splash of chipotle sauce. He's like, that sounds good. <laughs> I knew once he asked me what kind of sandwich I had, I already knew what had to happen next. I said, bruh, it's your sandwich now. I gave him the sandwich. And I turned around and I took the walk of shame back inside of Subway. <laughs> I stood back in the lines, other people that was in the line. I, by the time I got back up to the front line, the young lady that had made my sandwich, she was like, what happened? I said, man, somebody I did, you know, they, they clearly like the same sandwiches I like. And she was like, yeah, I know, I saw. I said, yeah. She said, don't worry about it. The next one's on me. 
just want to affirm to somebody today that the Bible I read that tells me that the generous man shall prosper and those that refresh others shall be refreshed. Some of us have not been refreshed because we have not been willing to release what God has placed in our hand. But I'll tell you the truth. I've never gone broke being generous. Every time God gives something to me, I release it. And he always comes back and pours out more on me than I could ever imagine. Why? Because I know that if God could get it to me, he could get it through me. I'm not going to hold back for the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But the Bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger. You can stay in a small world if you want to. But when God blesses me, I'm going to bless others because I want to live in the entire world that God has created for me to operate in. And the key to access or unlock the new world for you is generosity. Generosity renews you. It refreshes you. It restores you. The very word refresh means give new energy to. God will energize you so that you can energize others. God wants to refresh you so you can make others around you fresh too. Yes, that rhymes. I did that on purpose. Look at the early church. I watch, watch this. They were all about refreshing one another. And I don't know when the church got away from this habit. And I'll give you a, 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 little, a little help there. When, when the early church broke out, Peter preached a message. Thousands of people got saved. They were there for the time of Passover. So what happens is people travel far distances to celebrate one of the, this holy festival. So imagine you travel in town for the festival, just, just fulfilling your tradition and your culture and your duty, and then you hear this new doctrine about Jesus. People start speaking in tongues. People getting saved. They getting slain in the spirit. People going crazy. They start seeing miracles. You know what starts to happen? Some of those people that came from far, they don't go home. They're like, I don't want to miss nothing God is doing. I don't want to miss nothing. So to support the people that have come from far distances, the church said, don't go home. Stay right here because this is where the movement is. You know what? You ain't got to leave because we'll take care of each other. Watch this. Watch this. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. The multitude of believers was one in heart and soul. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they owned, y'all. I don't know how, like, some people, I'm mad. I don't want to give a tenth of all I got. Listen, that's Old Testament. If you want to go New Testament, the Bible says bring everything. So we can give a tenth, or we can give it all. And the church said? Somebody's like, I'm good with the tenth. Okay. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to give their testimony about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundance and grace was on them all. Verse 34, watch this. They gave everything that they had. And the Bible says, there were no needy ones among them. That's a great place to say amen. Because those who own lands or houses would sell their property, bring the proceeds from the sales, and lay them at the apostles' feet for the distribution of anyone as he had a need. They gave what they had, and there were no needy people among them. Why were they blessed? Because they gave through alignment and assignment, right place, right time, and right people. Listen. If folks are hurting in this church, which I know some are, because we try to help as many people as we can, it's because somebody decided to hold back when they should have given. 
They should have given. Barna Group, they've been taking church statistics for decades now. Listen to this. This will shock you and it should make you mad. Barna says that 95% of Christians don't even tithe. Uh, less, than, less than a tenth of Christians actually tithe, y'all. We say we believe something, but we don't actually have the action behind it. And we wonder why people don't want to believe what we believe. We wonder why people laugh at us and make fun of us. Because we don't even stick to our own convictions. 95% of Christians don't even tithe. And we wonder why people got problems in the church. Y'all, if we all just tithe, I promise you, everybody in this house will always be taken care of. There would never be an issue that somebody had. And right now, we pay funeral costs. We pay rent for people. We buy people groceries. This is a house that does those things. We don't just say we do them. We have the receipts to back it up. But we can only do so much because there's some people that are holding back instead of being generous. We don't gain to attain. We don't gain to maintain. We gain to sustain others around us because we're a family. Like, I just want to say this, and this is, this is this is in my heart. I don't want to be a church full of people that need miracles. I want to be a church full of people that are miracle workers. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to always be the church with a handout. I want to be a church that's always blessing people and always willing to lend a hand when somebody needs it. It doesn't happen, though, if we hold back. The Bible's calling us to be generous because I want them to say when they see cool church pull up, oh, I'm excited because I needed a miracle and I see one on the horizon. Them people of cool church, they don't play. They all prosperous. They're all the head. They're, none of them are the tail. They all winning. All their business is blowing up. Everything that they do is thriving. That church is killing it. And as a matter of fact, they're doing so well, all we see is miracles in their path. That's the kind of house that I want to be, but it requires us to know that when God blesses us, we got to bless others. Amen? And finally, as the band comes up, generosity is a blessing when you understand it's a service that causes thanksgiving to God. A service that causes, this, and this is the key right here. This is the key. Watch what 2 Corinthians 9, 12 says. For this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. So not only should people's needs in the house be met, but it should cause thanksgiving in everyone. Not just thanksgiving for the people receiving, but once again, the people giving should be thankful as well. Generosity should cause thanksgiving. Because whether you're the giver or the receiver, the end result of generosity should always be thanksgiving to God. Always. Thank God he has blessed you to give. But also, thank God that he blessed someone to give to you. You gotta thank God both ways. You see, the question for the generous and for the recipient of generosity is, how can you show God you're thankful? How? I'll answer it for you. You praise him through his practice. Watch this. Um, some of y'all know the story, but if it's your first time, maybe you don't know it. I love seeing child dedication because I, 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 I love kids. 
and all me and my wife ever really wanted to be were parents. And for whatever reason, man, that still has not happened through us yet, but we haven't been able to birth a child, but hey, I put in a lot of practice and I still believe, okay. <laughs> I believe it's gonna happen. It's not on my time, on God's time. So, 10 years ago, we adopted a beautiful little girl from the island of Haiti. And you know her, because last week she had a birthday. She just turned 14. It's our beautiful daughter, Valencia. And man, we, when I, we love this little girl, man. We love her with everything. But I told you, she was from Haiti. And my wife is Haitian, so when my baby girl came, like, my wife and her, they were able to talk back and forth like nothing. Me, on the other hand, I hail all the way from Carroll City. So I speak English and don't even do that well. So it was hard for me to, to connect with her like a lot. When she was little, she was like three turning four years old. When she was little, like I, I, I was trying, I tried my best to pick up some Creole. My Creole is atrocious, okay? And um, we used to use like a lot of sign language because I couldn't talk. She was, she, I mean, her Creole was, was just eloquent when she was young. And uh, like when she was hungry, she was like, I was like, all right, I gotta feed her, okay? One time we took her to Disney World, she couldn't speak English yet, but she really liked the roller coasters, right? She was like hype every time we went on a roller coaster. And uh, she still couldn't talk. When we got on the car to go home, she was so mad because she was like, wait, what, what, what we, like I could see on her face, she was like, but I knew she wanted to go back on the roller coaster because she went like this. She was like, I was like, no, we're going home, you know? So that's how we communicated for a while, all the time, like, all, you know? It was tough for me, though, because, you know, I, I knew she would get it eventually, but, like, those, man, it took about a year, y'all. That first year was very hard for me personally because I was trying to talk to her, and she couldn't understand anything I was saying. She was trying to talk to me, and I couldn't understand. Like, we just didn't have any understandings on anything. And to top it all off, Every night, I'm reading her bedtime stories. I'm like, I'm reading in English. She has no idea. I'm like hoping the pictures help get her through. I'm saying, I'm anointing her head with oil and I'm praying over her every morning, every night. She didn't understand nothing I was saying. And I kept saying, baby girl, daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. And it would break my heart because it didn't matter how many times I said it, she didn't understand it. So I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And my heart just really would break because like, all I ever really wanted to be was a dad. Ah, oh, man. I'm a thug, I'm not gonna cry in this service. I did it in the last one, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. All I wanted to be was a dad. I just said, I love you, I love you, I love you. And one day something weird happened. It's about a year in her being here, she had been going to school, so she started to pick up some English. And man, I read her bedtime story like I always do. I put her in the bread, tucked in, I prayed for her. I said, baby girl, daddy loves you. She looked back at me and she said, I love you too, daddy. And I said, y'all, if you could have, if <laughs> my heart exploded like, like fireworks went off in my chest. 
I ran and told you. I said, babe. I was like Robert Downey Jr. in Endgame. In, in I was like, she said she loved me 3,000. You were in the low six to 900 range. She told me she loved me. And for the first time, we were on the same page. Not only was I able to tell her I loved her, she was able to tell me back. And we both had an understanding because we spoke the same language. I need somebody to grab a hold of that thought. I know my child understood me and I know I know that I understood her because we spoke the same language. Y'all, catch this in your spirit today. Because God expresses his love through the language of generosity, he understands you when you speak the same language. I need you to catch that. You can show God how blessed you are by his generosity to being a blessing and being generous to others. That's why the verse says there's overflowing expressions of thanksgiving to God because we are expressing our love when we are generous to one another. And today, God the Father is looking for children that are speaking his language. I need you to know that the language of God, the love language of God is generosity. How do you know that, Pastor? John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because the truth of the matter is you can give without loving but you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving. And if you want to speak the language of generosity because God loves you, you must know that he gave up his son's life for you. And if you want to speak his language, y'all, this is the hard part for some people, it's a life for a life. It's a life for a life. Whoa, 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 wait, I gotta die? No, 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 no. It was his life for your life. The difference is he's not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. Live for him. Live for him. Will you be generous with the life that you've been given and give it back to God? Because you can't live in the blessing of his generosity until you realize your entire life belongs to him. You want to say thank you to God? Speak his language. Be generous with your life. If you believe that, say amen. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us our website, thecoolchurch.com. 
And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.